Antonio Conte is a winner. He loves winning. He even named his daughter Vittoria, Italian for victory. But even he admits it'll be tough to win with Spurs in the short term. And as the North London Giants visit the champions and league leaders Manchester City, the potential of a fourth straight league defeat looms on the horizon. I'm Kevin Hatchard and this is Football Only Better. No shortage of winners on my tipping team today. Mark O'Hare with me once again. Mark, it's been a tough few days for Conte and Tottenham. Lost at home to Southampton, lost at home to Wolves. Every interview he does now, whether it's in England or back in Italy, is being scrutinised for clues as to whether he's just going to blow up and walk out the door. Where are they at right now and what do you see for them in the long term? Oh, um, yeah, I mean, it, two real horror shows against Southampton and Wolves has really kind of knocked me for six, really, with Tottenham. I thought they were, I wouldn't call them a lock, but I thought they were very much on course to be that team to secure a top four position. But as you say, three defeats on the spin now, if you include the Chelsea game, beaten by Chelsea three times now um, in the last uh, few weeks and months in the Cup, if you include that as well. And, you know, it's... It's tough times, really, and I don't really like the way in which he's gone about his business at the moment. The constant complaints, uh, it just sounds and looks so incredibly miserable. Um, you know, Jose Mourinho was absolutely panned for, for that kind of behaviour, uh, so I'm not sure we should be sort of allowing Conte uh, to get away with it, to be honest. It, it constantly telling anyone who will listen that his players aren't good enough, the transfer business was poor, uh, expectations are too high. Just... You know, it kind of manifests itself really into that squad as well. You know, if they, if you continue to trot those lines out, your players are going to start believing in what you're saying, and really, and if he's a he's a tough taskmaster at the best of times, so I can't imagine being around the training ground is a as a fun place to be, even if things were going quite well. You know, it's going to be pretty hardcore, really. So I've absolutely no doubt about his ability as a head coach to to engineer success at Tottenham in the longer term, but it's whether he's got the 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 metal really to go to go through this uh, bleak patch because clearly there's things behind the scenes which he's not happy about and I'm sure he went to the club with guarantees that uh, certain requirements were going to be met and he must feel like they haven't been met so yeah it, it's disappointing um, particularly for Spurs fans who felt they were going in the right direction but I think those matches against Southampton and Wolves to give up the opportunities in which they did to concede well over four expected goals against two teams who aren't exactly renowned to being free scorers is, is quite alarming. Um, I think they've conceded multiple goals in the last four without a clean sheet in about eight Premier League games now as well. Um, yeah, it's, it's tough times really. Um, is he going to be there next season? That's the, the big question because at the moment he looks like he wants out immediately. But uh, hopefully he sees the the clear the bigger picture really and they, think, they sort things out because I think he's a, a huge asset for Tottenham and... Um, I think that's probably the, the big issue, really. He realises he's more important to that club than, uh, than vice versa. So, um, yeah, tough, tough tough task this weekend. It's it's uh, it's looking quite bleak for Spurs. Betfair trader Emmett O'Keefe is back in the starting lineup. Emmett, we've talked up Tottenham's hopes of snatching fourth on here. At the moment, it seems no one wants that final Champions League spot. Burnley might get it the way things are going. Who knows? Yeah, exactly. We've currently taught Tottenham a ten to three top, shot shot for top four, but as Mark was alluding to, I think this is kind of a, an incredibly important period in the history of Tottenham because if you look if you look through that squad, 
who is who's part of Tottenham's next kind of contending team? It's hard to kind of pick out players. I would say, hopefully, maybe Bentancur or 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 or, or Kulusevski might improve on what they have. But at the moment, they're still relying on players like Son and Harry Kane that are kind of post peak. I think Daniel Levy, like if if Antonio Conte was to get disillusioned and resign in the summer, where would Tottenham go next? I think they'd be. I think they're kind of they're far closer to kind of less Leicester and Wolves in the kind of in, in the middle of the, than, than, than they are to Man City. So I kind of I think these next few months, and if, if they can at least perform to a level where Conte has some confidence, and if Levy can somehow convince Conte of kind of business to come in the summer, I, I, think, I think that's Tottenham's only hope of prospering in the long term. Because I, I, if, if if Conte were to leave in the summer and they were to get another Nuno type manager, you wouldn't. Like, I think I think they're they're potentially a club in real decline. The data doctor is in. Jake Oscarthorpe from InfoGoals brought the XG robots with him. Always good to see them. Uh, Jake, we've had a few months of Conte ball now at Tottenham. What's the assessment in terms of the underlying numbers? What are you thinking in terms of have they improved? Have they more or less been the same compared to the horror shows under Nuno? There must be some forward momentum, surely. Yeah, there is. You know, he's taking them in the right direction. Uh, the last three games. In terms of Premier League, anyway, have been really, really disappointed, and, and have had you know sort of knocked them for six, if you like, from an XG standpoint. Because prior to that game, they hadn't lost the XG battle in any of Conte's matches. Um, it, oh, sorry, prior to the Chelsea game, anyway, they'd not lost the, the XG battle in any of the Premier League matches under Conte, which I think was around eight or nine matches. So he had them pulling in the right direction at home. They were racking up around two and a half expected goals for per game, so they really were uh, an attack-minded team creating a lot of good chances and defensively they looked a lot tighter but for whatever reason these last few matches they really have struggled particularly Southampton uh, and Wolves who went to Tottenham and created a, an abundance of chances you know something that we haven't seen from Conte Spurs uh, for, for you know ever since he came in uh, and on the flip side of that obviously their attacking numbers decreased slightly and they really struggled to breach Wolves particularly uh, last weekend so I think on the whole you know, we we all assumed and sort of agreed that when Conte was brought in, it would be an upgrade on uh, on Nuno. I think still stand by that. I think Conte's far better uh, at this whole managerial lot than than Nuno is. Uh, his track record proves that, uh, and he has improved Tottenham. But I don't think he has improved them enough for me to suggest that they would be, as Mark says, a lot for the top four. Um, they were hitting those kind of heights through what was an easier run of, uh, of fixtures. But since the opposition's got a little bit tougher, things have sort of derailed a little bit. And, and it doesn't get any tougher than this weekend, which you know I don't think any of us are really expecting them to go there and get a result at Manchester City. But if they did, that would be a big statement for in terms of the top four race. Well, on that then, Jake, I mean, Manchester City playing so well at the moment, they absolutely shredded sporting in midweek, which I think we saw coming, really. It's not a big surprise. Uh, they went to Lisbon and won that game in the way that they did. How do Spurs even begin to tackle this? And from a betting point of view, how do we tackle it? Yeah, I don't really know how Spurs sort of go about the business and uh, and, and plan to get a result against Manchester City because... City are looking a little bit like the juggernaut of last season and a couple of seasons before that. They're looking unstoppable, really. Um, I think there were some positive signs from Spurs in that second half against Wolves, a slight formation shift from a back three to a back four, which allowed Kulosevsky to sort of support Kane a little bit more, get them a little bit higher up the pitch. Um, It is really interesting when we look at Tottenham's recent record against Manchester City, though, as a club, because 
They have done really well against them. I think they've won three of the last four meetings um, or maybe three of the last five with a draw in there as well. So for whatever reason, they've done, they've fared well. Uh, and I think you'll probably remember a couple of the matches. It's effectively just been Tottenham camping in their own 18-yard box, counter-attacking, scoring a goal, winning the game 1-0. Um, and losing the XG battle quite considerably, which also happened to be the case uh, in the opening game of this season under Nuno. I think they won 1-0 at, uh, at White Hart Lane. Uh, sorry, Tottenham Hotspur Stadium it is now. Um, and Manchester City racked up a load of chances and should have probably won that game. I'm expecting City to create a, an absolute bucket load here because the averages suggest that they are... It's just all that they do at the minute. They're around 2.6 expected goals for per game. But really interestingly for me anyway is, is the, the defensive numbers that they're putting up particularly at home because I think 0.58 expected goals against per game at home which is just a staggeringly low number it really is uh, there's only three teams that are averaging less than one expected goal against per game uh, at home Liverpool Crystal Palace the other two but for me that 0.58 suggests that Spurs even if they are on on song from an attacking standpoint they're going to have some real troubles creating chances and causing City any sort of issues whatsoever in this game and you know, from a betting standpoint, it may sound boring, but the old tried and trust, tried and tried and tested. If I can get my words out, I'm so used to reeling it off, it's just stumbled me over there. <laughs> uh, Manchester City to win under three and a half goals, um, which is around 1.86 on the Betfair Sports, but with the Bet Builder, um, it looks a really, really sensible bet. We've said it numerous occasions that City. I know they went to Sporting and, and blew them out what, last week uh, in midweek and Norwich as well. They absolutely destroyed them, but it's very rare that they go completely goal heavy, uh, goal crazy, um, and you know you can see a comfortable two 0 win here for City. So Mark Jake's gone for the trust up trestle table trigger bet uh, this <laughs> weekend. Uh, are you are you going to go in with him on that? I am, yeah, yeah. Um, go on, Mark. You've got to do it as well. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I quite like it as well. Um, City, their record against the, the elite teams in the Premier League, the top eight, who seem to be the sort of breakaway top eight, if you like. Uh, seven wins, one draw, one defeat. Um, six of those seven wins featured under three and a half goals. The one that didn't was against Arsenal, where they played against 10 men for a large portion of that match. Um yeah, I mean, you look at the... I'm never too keen to, to back a, a heavy favourite to overcome a big handicap in what's supposed to be quite a competitive match. Uh, I know it's an all-big six clash, but City trading out at sort of 1.3 is kind of just shows their dominance, really. Um, but similar prices when they've been hosting Arsenal and Man City, so I don't think the market is wrong in that regard. But their recent form, 19 wins from 21... Across all comps, since the start of November, the only defeat was the dead rubber against Leipzig. They've beaten Chelsea, Arsenal, United and PSG in that sample as well. Um, and yeah, I mean, I think if Spurs go to the Etihad and look to try and attack and play gung-ho offensive football, they'll get found out pretty quickly. And I think, you know, there is a plenty of um, examples of, of Tottenham in recent years um, playing playing City, uh, playing a contain and counter approach and having reasonable success, even if the, the underlying numbers have been completely one-sided in City's favour. So I think that's how they'll go to the Etihad, try and keep things reasonably tight and nick something. Um, despite their recent success, really, against City, they've actually had a, a really wretched record at the Etihad in the Premier League, eight defeats in the last 11 visits. So, um, yeah, I, I just think City will will do a number on Tottenham and do it reasonably uh, comfortably. Um, so, yeah, it just covers a range of correct scores, 1-0, 2-0, 3-0, 2-1, uh, and that kind of appeals to me. So, um, yeah, I like the price. Now, we know it's frustrating when you get frozen out of a bet, so Betfair's now offering no cash-out suspensions on match odds over-under and goal markets on the sportsbook, even during VAR reviews or when there's a penalty.
Newcastle have supercharged their survival hopes with a winning run. They face a West Ham side that's clinging to hopes of a top four finish. Needed the upper arm of Craig Dawson to snatch a point last time out against Leicester. No Kieran Trippier for Newcastle, Emmett. How significant is that? Yeah, actually, very significant. I, I've kind of I wondered how much Trippier had left in the tank, having left Atletico. But he 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 was averaging his key passes statistic was close to what Alan say Maximan is averaging as the most in the Newcastle team. He scored scored two goals from fullback, and it just lo- lo- looked a really really good addition. And I think probably you might see kind of Ryan Fraser replace him at wing back. So there definitely definitely is is kind of a huge downgrade there. But I expect this to be match to be fairly competitive despite that. West Ham matches have actually been consistently high scoring all season. And it's hard to imagine the kind of the, 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 the square that David Moyes at Everton with the, the Moyes we see at West Ham. West Ham this season there's been over three goals on average in in, in their matches all season. And I, I think I think Newcastle are far more potent attacking unit in recent weeks. I think they've they've shown clear clear signs of progress. So I think it should be a competitive game. I like both teams to score. At around eight to eleven, I think West Ham's defence is, cer- is certainly fallible, and I expect Newcastle to score at least once. Mark, would you go along similar lines? I know you always have similar views to Emmett on the fact that West Ham games are a lot of fun. And you look at that game at Leicester; they look pretty good in the opening exchanges, and it all kind of fell away a bit in the second half. Yeah, they've been a, a, an interesting kind of case study at the moment because they've been erratic and inconsistent in their performance levels. If you think back to when they were outplayed by a, a scratch Leeds team at the London Stadium not so long ago, fumbled their way past Watford as well, needed that last minute goal against Leicester as well. So I'm not really eager to get involved in West Ham sort of below 1.8 quotes, even if kind of the longer body of work across the whole season suggests uh, they're fully deserving of that price, if not possibly shorter. So you know, I went down the same route, really, of both teams to score because it's trading on the exchange at around 1.84, which is a hefty price, really, for a Premier League match, particularly between two teams who um, have shown an appetite to get forward and score goals. Uh, West Ham have scored in all of their London Stadium games so far this season. And Newcastle, despite all their troubles, have actually scored in 18 of 23 Premier League games this season, which is really quite impressive, actually. And the both teams to score bet is clicked in 9 of 12 at West Ham. So far this season, they've only kept six clean sheets all season, uh, which shows that they're not sort of um, prolific in terms of shutting teams out. And I just look at Newcastle and, um, yeah, I mean, obviously things are going in the right direction, but I felt they rode their luck at times away at Leeds. Uh, They were very dominant against Everton, defended pretty well against Aston Villa last weekend, but I don't think Villa did a, a huge amount right in trying to open them up, really. It was quite sort of just balls into the box and see what can happen. Um, and if I'm really sort of nitpicking about Newcastle, I could say that two of the winning goals against Leeds and Villa, um, or, there was, or, or some of their goals in, in key moments, came from direct free kicks. Um, they've actually scored three direct free kicks in the last three or four games, really, which is quite a rarity, really. And, you know, Target is back, but no Trippier, no Mankio as well. So they're going to have to reshuffle that defensive line. And defensively, it's not exactly their strong strongest point so far this season and also their results against the best teams in the division I think they've taken one point from nine uh, against uh, the sort of leading lights of the division so the top eight so um, yeah I've no sort of appetite to get with either team really and I just thought goals would be the the sensible solution and it's you know Premier League matches are averaging sort of close to 2.8 goals per game and I think we've got two teams here who are sort of regulars on the goal scoring sheet and and not so much defensively so I thought both teams to score at 1.84 on the exchange was a was a hefty price actually. 
Now, Liverpool weren't quite at their sparkling best in midweek, but they still got the job done in a 2-0 win at Inter in the Champions League. Jake, they've got Norwich at Anfield. Jurgen Klopp's got the capacity to rotate the side without there being too much of a drop in quality. Here are the players that didn't start, or some of the players that didn't start. Uh, Joel Matip, Jordan Henderson, Naby Keita, Luis Diaz and Roberto Firmino. Obviously, Firmino came in and scored. Diaz came in, looked decent. The depth they have at the moment is outrageous. Yeah, and, and you know, you've got to give a lot of credit to Liverpool because they've actually built the squad without breaking the bank, which, you know, yep. a lot of clubs like Manchester City, Chelsea, Man United, they go out and they splash the cash for fun, don't they? But their squads are nowhere near at the level of what Liverpool's are. I mean, City's obviously is Chelsea. I would argue Liverpool probably got more quality in depth now than Chelsea have coming off the bench. I thought Luis Diaz looked unbelievable when he came on against Inter. He was a real spark of life in that second half. Um, and he did look really good against Leicester as well. So he looks a fantastic sign, just slotted in there. Um, and yeah, it's a little bit frightening really for, for the rest of the league. And, and just purely from a, a general season perspective, it means that they can sort of make an absolute onslaught on all the competitions that they're in because they're in the League Cup final. Champions League's a real possibility. They're a um, you know, win their game in hand, they're not too far behind City with a head-to-head game as well coming up. Um, FA Cup is still in that one as well. So, effectively, they, what they've done is built a squad that is capable of challenging on all fronts, which is something that we haven't seen from Liverpool for. You know, it's under Klopp really because the the domestic cup record isn't very good. Uh, it's only been the league and the Champions League, but yeah, it, in this game this weekend, kind of feel a bit sorry for Norwich, don't you? Because coming off the back of a 4-0 drubbing at Man- against Manchester City, uh, conceded four and a half expected goals in that game. And then they have to go to uh, to Anfield who to face a Liverpool team who are on pace to be um, the best attacking team in goals ever seen from an expected goal standpoint. Uh, their averages are pretty ridiculous, um, you know, overall and at home. So, yeah, it, it's, a, it's a daunting task and Liverpool... 2.86 expected goals for per game at Anfield, which is just an incredible figure. Um, I think the, the next best we've got on record is 2.84, which was from Manchester City in the 18-19 season. So they're on course to sort of break that record. And you know the last thing, as I said, that Norwich need after getting hammered by uh, by City is to go to Anfield. And as you said, they can ring the changes and the, the, the starting eleven is still going to be more than good enough to, to beat Norwich quite handily. And that's basically what I'm expecting Um you know, there's little value I've seen back in Liverpool just to win the game. The goal lines, the handicap lines are a little bit too high. So I just tried to be a little bit creative with the bet builder. Um, fully expecting Liverpool to win. Norwich's attack has been um, you know, slightly one of the worst in the league. Defensively, they've been all over the place. Liverpool, while they have been conceding a few chances... It's not been anything too drastic. I know there were some comments in the week about from Fabio Capello saying that Alisson um, has been man of the match more often, showing that they're defensively they're not very good. I mean, Inter did okay midweek, didn't they? Did create too many clear-cut chances? And that's been the story for, for Liverpool's defence. I think Alisson, just in general, has had a really good season. He's one of the very few keepers who's actually overperforming the post-shot expected goal figures uh, in the Premier League. I think the leader in that is David De Gea, who's just been incredible <laughs> <laughs> you know he made another save didn't he in midweek against Brighton um, from uh, Jan Mudder's header but you know the post shot XG on that was around 0.7 and he's just unbelievable tipped around the post he's overperforming by around 10 goals Allison's at around three and a half so you know he's performing at the level that that is enough to warrant you know the kind of man of the match displays um, but it is worth note, mentioning as well, when we're looking at post-shot XG, looking at the post-shot XG per 90 that the f- keepers are facing is a really good indicator of how 
teams are defending are they conceding you know quite a lot of big chances per 90 that the goalkeeper's having to face or is it quite little um, and Allison's, you know, he's, his is around the 0.2 post-shot XG per shot. So round about middle of the pack. And then you look at Edison, who is underperforming his, his post-shot expected goals. His post-shot XG per shot is actually um, a lot lower. So he's actually facing easier shots to face in theory than Allison, and actually making harder work of them. So that's, you know, doesn't really contribute to the bet, but I just thought it was really interesting while I was doing some digging um, yesterday on that. But ultimately, I'm expecting a clean sheet from Allison against Norwich um, and putting both teams to score no alongside Liverpool to win with a minus one handicaps uh, comes out at 1.92 on the uh, bet builder so that basically means that Liverpool have to win 2-0 3-0 4-0 5-0 6-0 I won't be surprised if it was any higher than that either uh, and that just really appealed to me because we've seen them make really light work of most teams at Anfield this season I like that Jake has given Liverpool fans loads of ammunition when that Edison versus Allison uh, debate <laughs> comes back around. They'll be armed uh, with post-shot XG stats. Uh, now, do you feel that an unfair moment has cost you a winning bet? Then let Dimitar Varbatov know. See what we've done. He's called Dimitar Berbatov, but we've used VAR to call him Varbatov. It's tremendous. So... Let Dimitar Varbatov know and you could get your bet paid out. We're not joking. This actually does happen. Send any examples over the weekend to at Betfair on social media using the hashtag V-A-R-B-A-T-O-V and the former Spurs and Manchester United striker will make his ruling. No legal training for him, but lots of football training. Now, Everton shredded Leeds 3-0 to give themselves some breathing space in the relegation dogfight. Mark, they visit a Southampton side. They're actually playing some really good stuff under Ralph Hasenhutl. They are, yeah. And um, I'm wondering, I mean, he's never going to win the award at all. But uh, in, in my books, Ralph Hasenhutl would be an outside contender for manager of the year, to be honest. Um, I think he's engineered a remarkable effort from Southampton, considering the players that left the club and quite low-key recruitment, really, to, to get that club into the position that they are, playing the way in which they have been as well. Um, deserves plenty of plaudits and um, I'm really surprised that his name never gets linked with with jobs at uh, more elite clubs in the Premier League because he's, his body of work has been excellent so far. Um, but yeah, I think this game is going to be quite fun actually. Um, looking towards the goal markets again, uh, if you look at the Premier League, it's averaging 2.79 goals per game, which is bang in line with Southampton's average across the whole season. Everton's average goals per game so far this season is at 3.0, which is Quite surprising, really, considering Rafa Benitez was the head coach and now Frank Lampard, he's only been there for two matches and we know what Lampard's track record is about. His past experience with Derby and Chelsea suggests you know, heavy focus on going forward, defending his secondary and he said himself after the appointment at Everton that his priority was the attack and to play some good, fun, entertaining football. We didn't see it at Newcastle, but we certainly did last weekend. 21 shots, very dominant from start to finish against Leeds. Um, and obviously they looked at a real handful in attack and Richarlison and Calvert-Lewin leading the line again, which is massive for Everton really to get those two fit and available and playing together. So yeah, I think they can get on the score sheet at St Mary's. Um, their away record is pretty rotten, but um, I think last weekend is a, a nice confidence booster. There will be a bit of a reset as well mentally under Lampard and yeah, they're still coming into this match though without Mina, Godfrey, Decore as well, which does weaken that spine too. So plenty of encouragement from a, a Southampton perspective. And this is a Saints team that scored in all but five Premier League games 
all season. Um, only two. Uh, they fired blanks just twice actually since September at Arsenal and at Liverpool. Um, but they're also about a clean sheet now since November's international break. And 11 of the last 13 in the Premier League have seen winning both teams to score bets, including the last eight. And I think uh, a repeat does really appeal to me. Uh, it's a little bit shorter than we normally would promote. It's 1.7 on the exchange, but I think it's absolutely fair enough at that price because uh, both teams to score has hit in seven of Southampton's 11, uh, St Mary's, and seven of Everton's 11 away from Goodison Park this season, which is you know a healthy sort of 65% hit rate. And yeah, I think we've just got two teams in decent headspace, two teams with forwards available and fit uh, and in form, uh, hopefully for a, a traditional sort of open, entertaining Premier League match on Saturday afternoon. So yeah, both teams to score. Jake, you had a line on this, didn't you? Yeah, a little bit of a long shot poke. Um, Jan Bednarek to score any time around 14 to 1. Um, as I said, I was doing some digging into the data um, and looking at set-piece data. And Everton are actually allowing a league-high 0.48 expected goals against per game from set-pieces. So that's not including penalties, that's just corners and free kicks. It doesn't include direct free kicks either. So um, if they carry on in the same vein of form, they will actually finish as the worst def- defensive team from set-pieces that Infogol's ever seen since we started collecting data in 2014. Oh, what an um, honour. Well, I know, yeah. have some kind of trophy presentation, maybe? I think it's something we should organise ourselves in-house, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, and present that to Frank. Him, uh, oh, we'd love that, it, Split it three that. ways into all the different managers. Um, but yeah, they, just for some perspective, so Everton are conceding 0.48 expected goals against per game from set pieces. Manchester City are conceding 0.64 non-penalty expected goals just in total. So... On a game-by-game basis, Everton are conceding nearly as many chances as what Manchester City are, but just from set pieces, highlighting just how bad they are. Uh, And in total, that works out around 32% of their total expected goals against coming from set pieces. So the bottom line is that they're not very good at defending them. Southampton are one of the better teams in terms of creating chances from those set pieces. 27% of their total expected goals for this season has come from dead ball situations. Um, so automatically you've, you think you've found something really interesting there you've got one team really poor defending them one team really good at attacking them then it comes down to who can we target to try and sort of get as a long shot winner uh, and Jan Bednarek of all the players in the Southampton squad who is you know, a massive threat from set pieces because he's a massive bloke uh, around 0.15 expected goals per 95 is what he's averaging and that is really high for a centre half uh, we usually expect centre halves to be around 0.08 so it's almost double that. Um, so I'm more than happy to to chance his, you know, chance him to score any time. I did a little bit of research. Obviously, he got pulled uh, last week at half time against Manchester United, but he has come out and said that he'll should be fit for the weekend. He was taken off as a precaution. Um, so you know, I think if if we take him around fourteen to one, I think the price would still be there come uh, come kick lineup time. So you can see if he's in the side or not. Um, but yeah, that just to me just looked like a little. Really interesting outside shot at round of 14s. I like the idea of giving that trophy to Lampard and he'd do that thing he does where he'd laugh to start with and then we'll go, no, but seriously, we need to defend better. Uh, <laughs> Burnley gave uh, Liverpool one or two scares last weekend. They drew with Manchester United recently. Emmett the Clarets visit a Brighton side that's only lost five league games all season. How do we approach this one? Yeah, I think the first thing to say is, I think if you're going to if you're going to, if you're going to make, make watch any, any any Premier League match at three PM on Saturday, make sure it's not this one. I'm expecting <laughs> I think this 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 a low scoring 
fairly awful game, but hopefully, hopefully, uh, punters and, and, and myself can, can, can make some profit from it. Is that why inter- you didn't get that PR job you went for? At the <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, I struggled to put lip, <laughs> lipstick on pigs like this. Uh, but the so the, the main injury news here is Vood Veghorst is, is doubtful with an injury, and he's bur- by far Burnley's best attacking threat. I think if Sean Dyche wasn't going to, wasn't going to before this, I think we can expect the, the Burnley's bus to be firmly parked in in their own half. In in, in the in Burnley, have only Norwich have scored less goals than Burnley in the league this season, and in, in Burnley's last nine matches, they've only scored three goals, including four nil all draws in those last nine matches. So I wouldn't put anyone off back in the nil all at around seven to one on, on the sports book at the moment, and, and just on Brighton side as well. Only four teams have uh, have scored less bright less goals than Brighton in the league this season. So all 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 points towards an extremely low scoring and unattractive match. So the, the, the way I'd lean to be under one point five goals at around fifteen to eight. Well, there's one that's got the pulses racing. Can't wait for that one. Uh, Brentford, a side that's been really sliding in recent months. If they hadn't started the season in the way that they did, they'd be in big trouble right now. And they've still got work to do to avoid the drop. They visit Arsenal, who are very much in the mix to finish in the top four. They have games in hand, not points on the board, but they've got a chance of overhauling their rivals. Jake Arsenal are the 1.46 favourites here. That feels about right to me. Yeah, I think I think it, 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 that price just backing Arsenal to win is is about right. Um, you know, I think it's something we spoke about last week in the fact that Brentford, when they're playing away from home, are one of the worst teams in the league. When they're playing at home, they're one of the better teams, and they were actually really unfortunate not to get all three points against Crystal Palace uh, at home last weekend. I think they won the XG by around one point eight to zero point five, so they absolutely dominated that game. Um, but they're back on the road here. And not only are they one of the worst teams when travelling, they're taking on one of the best home teams in the Premier League uh, in Arsenal because, you know, I think when it comes to playing at the Emirates um, or in home matches in general, they've racked up the third most expected points per home game in the Premier League this season with only Liverpool and Manchester City faring better. Uh, And their XG process of around two expected goals for per game and 1.0 expected goals against per game. Highlights that they are very dominant when they are playing at home, and uh, and I think only the there are only two defeats at the Emirates so far this season in the league have come against Chelsea and Manchester City. They've been won the XG battle in all of the matches apart from those two uh, at home, and I'm fully expecting them to do so in this match and really sort of give themselves a real push towards that top four spot, particularly with some you know the likes of Spurs. Wolves, uh, Manchester United all facing tricky games this weekend. But as I said, there isn't too much value in backing Arsenal to win. Uh, so taking Arsenal to win and under three and a half goals, again, the, the staple is back out, the turntable or whatever you called it before, <laughs> uh, around 1.85 um, with the bet builder appealed to me just purely because I don't think Arsenal have the firepower just yet and the capabilities to really stamp their authority and blow teams away 3 4 5 nil. Um, I think Brentford will hang in there for as long as they can, but ultimately they're conceding nearly 1.9 expected goals against per game. So uh, fully expecting the Gunners to to get the job done in what should be a low-scoring victory. The terrific and tremendous podcast staple. Uh, Now it's time for the world-famous podcast treble, a feature so famous that Charlotte Church nearly refused to enter this year's Masked Singer because, in her words, listening to Mark O'Hare lights up her life. Uh, Just for the lawyers, that's quite a heavy statement, so she definitely didn't say that. Uh, The way this works is that Jake, Mark and Emmett will all come up uh, with a selection from the week 
weekend's action and then Emmett and his fellow traders will go away and wrap it up in a lovely boosted treble. Who am I going to go for first? I'm going to go for Mark. Oh, right, okay. Um, I expect him to be last. <laughs> Why you, you've done this show for ages. Why are you always surprised by this? I, I never <laughs> expect to go first. Um, I'll go... Um, I'm going to get Manchester United to win away at Leeds on Sunday. Uh, reasoning to be explained on Sunday's show. Oh, mysterious. I like that. Yes, we have another show uh, for Sunday's action. So make sure you check that one out. I'm going to go for Emmett. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll stick with... B- b- both teams to score in West Ham v Newcastle. It should be kind of a high-scoring, entertaining game. Hopefully, uh, get 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 the Premier League weekend off to off to a really decent start. I thought you might have gone for no shots at all in Brighton against Burnley, <laughs> but there we go. Uh, Jake, what's your selection? Uh, well, seeing as we've got uh, an even money shot and a what, eight to eleven shot in there, I'm going to go for Arsenal to win at around two to five, the shortest of the lot, but it should get a little bit of a boost with the treble. Uh, reasoning, I've just gone through Arsenal, one of the best home teams in the league, Brentford, one of the away, worst away teams, um, so it should be a fairly comfortable afternoon for Arsenal. No pressure, Jake. No pressure there. Uh, That's all we have time for on this edition of Football Only Better. Please do remember to gamble responsibly. Lots of other shows on the Betfair network, including the Cheltenham Rawcast, which is a regular show between now and the festival. Not too far away, actually. Only a few weeks. Also, lots of previews of the weekend's action on betting.betfair.com, not just in the Premier League, where we've got a preview of every single game, but we We've got all of the major European leagues as well. From Jake, from Mark, from Emmett and from me. It's goodbye for now.